Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Going to Channel View. Reese, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Good. Thank you for taking my call, Jim. You bet. I got a question, Jim, about the the air conditioning system and uh, registers. You know, inside the house and up up there in the ceiling. Uh huh. Yeah. So so the other day I noticed uh, that uh, the uh, when I took the registers down, actually I hadn't actually took them down. So I happened to just look up and I see all of them, and the registers got a lot of dust on them. You know, so I uh, went and I unscrewed them and took some of them down, and uh, it didn't look too pretty up there, Jim. So okay. uh, it was kind of black and had some of the small dots. And then once I took the register down, there seemed like there's an insulated box up there or something that connects the the, the ventilation of the, the air vents. So I guess my question is, what do you think is going on up there? Oh, it can be several things. Um, you, the dots that you're talking about, how big a dots were they and what color were they? About the size of like an ink pen, but it, it, with that and a little bit of the dust and a little bit of, you know, uh, black slut, you know, kind of looking stuff. Yep. And and uh, so I, that's what I kind of noticed. So I took them all down and I kind of washed them and cleaned them up and put them back up there. But in the process of, of taking some of them down, I noticed there's a little insulation box up there. And I don't know right. how the house is. 21 years old i don't know if oh that's still supposed to look new over a period of time or what but that's what kind of what's going on okay well the box that's up there is used as the transition to go from the ductwork to the vent cover and right. a lot of them are, are metal boxes but they'll have an insulation on the inside of them uh that's usually that's like a three quarters of an inch or so thick three quarter to an that's inch correct. thick and so mm-hmm. that's what you're probably seeing. Um, right. And honestly, a lot of times that looks like it's dirty because it right. is an insulation material that's got a coating sprayed on it. And uh-huh. it, it the coating that's sprayed on was typically a black color. And uh-huh. so it looks like it's just dirty, and it's not. Now, the, and that's the reason right. I was asking about the spots. Because okay. the spots can indicate that you're getting some moisture coming through your system. And that could okay. be a, a different problem. When you did you reach up in there and touch the material? I kind of did. I mean, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I kind of touched it with my finger. Now it wasn't wet or anything like that, but it was definitely, it was definitely a little. You know, it had a little film on it. Okay. And, uh, and so the the little film came off on your fingers, then. Right. That's correct. Okay. Now, now I uh, I noticed some of them. Maybe some of the, I took down about maybe ten or twelve of them, and I cleaned them all out. And some of them, some of the little boxes were a little cleaner than others. Uh, but again, I I mean I looked up and I said, oh, I tell need to be clean. I, I often change my filters about every three or four months, you know. To, but again, I what size filters do you have? How many? Yeah, no, how how thick is the filter? Oh, uh, the regular filters, I think, maybe about half inch. Okay, and you're changing that every three, four months? Right, that's correct. Okay, that's that, that one-inch filter that way, excuse me, that one-inch filter is made to change every month. 
Okay. Okay. So I'm and not doing pro- it often enough. Yeah, and you're probably getting dust and stuff that's going beyond your filters then. Because once uh-huh. they start getting caked up, then material will start going through, and it will start building up not only in your ductwork, but on your coils in the system as well, which makes it uh, not as energy efficient as it should be as well. Okay. So it, okay. It, may, it may be that you need to get some duct cleaning done as well as have the uh-huh. coils cleaned. Okay, so you don't. So you think it's a serious problem? Maybe with some, any kind of mold or anything like that, Jim, or what? No, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. Okay, okay, that's uh, that's good then. Because uh, uh, I, I got the AC system changed about four years ago. Whole okay. System, furnace and AC. So, uh, so again, uh, I uh, that's kind of what I'm calling about, Jim. So, uh, matter of fact, I think I got one coming out tomorrow to kind of clean out the. Uh, the uh, you know vacuum out the the, the ventilation. Okay. And then I'll, I'll just go from there and see what happens. Yeah, uh, have them check the coils, and then uh, start making sure you change that filter once a month. For every inch okay. of thickness of filter, it buys you a mm-hmm. month. So if you got a a four inch thick media filter, then you change uh-huh. it every four months. But but if you only got one inch thick, you got to change it monthly. Yeah, yeah, normal size. So it's just a yep. A one unit uh, AC unit, so that's what I was kind of concerned about. So I said, "Well, I can't wait to call Jim on Saturday and see what he thinks." You know, so okay, well, Jim, I, I think uh, you answered. So oh, we're gonna head back up to Spring. Joe, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, yeah, I had the typical crack in my brick veneer about the midpoint of my garage wall. So a company came out; and they couldn't find a justification for it. They couldn't find no more than half inch uh, in the whole slab. So another company came out. And they claim to have found an upheaval in the mid-garage area, as opposed to a sink. Is the upheaval a worse problem, or uh, is it more piers or less piers to fix that? Well, normally, if there's an upheaval, you got to fix what's causing it, and usually that's being caused by a water leak of some kind. Hmm. Okay. Now. I will tell you, I've been lately teaching a lot of classes on looking at foundations and just using the numbers off of compu levels and stuff because foundations aren't built tabletop level to begin with. Concrete is dumped in there. It's kind of a fluid. They drag it across. And uh, one of the examples I I love to use is uh, the readings we took on my brother's house when when it was first built. They poured the concrete one day. We went and shot the concrete the next day, and around in where the bathrooms are, it's about an inch and a quarter higher than the rest of the house. And I love to, to show that to people and say, okay, what would you do with this house? Because they love looking at the numbers and saying, oh, well, there's a water leak there. Obviously, we need to fix that. That house, was, that concrete was poured the day before. It's high simply because there was all the pipes in the way, and it didn't get screeded like the rest of it. You know, it's not tabletop level when it's built, so you can't go by just those readings. The other thing you got to look at is the cosmetic damage, and, and you mentioned the cracks and stuff. But, you know, you're looking for cracks in the brick veneer, cracks in the sheetrock, things like that. Uh, but if, how old a house is this? Uh yeah, 2000. Okay, you're at the right age that it could be getting some movement because most homes start experiencing movement when they're about 18 years old. 
that's when people start noticing it. Uh, so you're you're at that right age. Uh, other than checking it for a leak, and that can be done with a simple static test because if you got a water leak, you're going to know it. Uh, but if you got a sewer leak, you don't know it, and that can cause problems. So let's mm-hmm. do a, a static test on it. See if you got a sewer line leak, and if not, leave it alone. Okay, and I was told that wall is less than twenty feet. So, if I was to sell the house, you don't have to uh, notify of something like that because it's the wall is less than twenty feet. I don't have to notify the potential buyers of that crack. Uh, uh, notif- no, you. I mean, if you haven't done any foundation repair, you've got nothing to notify them about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll do that static test and go and see. Go from there. Yep. Yep. And that's a plumber, I guess, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, most plumbers can do it. If you don't have one that you use, call Due West. We can definitely take care of that for you. Okay. Appreciate it. You bet. Have a great afternoon. And that's for everybody. Don't let somebody, first of all, don't let somebody come in and tell you, oh, you got to get this foundation fixed right away or it's going to collapse on you. That ain't happening. Number two, don't let somebody tell you just because the numbers are off a little bit that you automatically have foundation problem. The question I always ask, what are we fixing? If all you're fixing is the numbers, you're not fixing anything. You'll make it worse. Fixing means what cracks are we closing? What what uh, door alignments are we fixing? Uh, uh, you know, What uh, brick veneer cracks are we fixing? That's what you do with foundation repair. Tony out of Richardson says, I see a lot of wooden fences built, and they look good. But over time, they start to lean or weave. What goes wrong? Pole's not deep enough in the ground. Is two feet deep enough? Hole's not big enough? Not enough concrete around the poles? What else could it be? Thanks. Well, Tony, it it actually is the soil itself. It's it's much like a moving foundation. Uh, what causes it is the change of moisture in the soil. When the soil dries out, it shrinks. When it gets wet, it expands again. Well, as the soil shrinks around the post, the post becomes wobbly. It leans over a little bit. Next time it rains, the soil expands. Well, the post didn't straighten back up. It stayed leaning a little bit. And over a period of time of doing this time and time again, you end up with a leaning post. And yes, if you go deeper in the ground, it would help to alleviate this problem. But we're not talking uh, two or three feet to really alleviate it. You're going down, you know, beyond the six, seven foot range, and that just becomes cost prohibitive. And so the easiest way to keep this from happening is set your post, keep the soil moist and expanded. You can just put soaker hoses around your yard, around the fence and everything, just like you would the foundation, and you'll have minimal movement on that new fence. Going out to uh, Montgomery. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm wonderful. How about you? Oh, I'm fine. I have a, I have a question about construction. I want to build basically what the, that man's room was, about a 20 by 30 outbuilding. And my question is, should I lay a concrete floor or can I go with pier and beam? And if I do go with pier and beam, how high up should it be in case there's issues with the floor sagging or something like that later on. And what are you going to use the, the structure for? 
it, it's going to be just a outshed for me, you know. Uh, okay. For working in there and stuff like that. You know, I'm not going to move a car in there or heavy equipment or anything like that, you know. So, okay. And if, yeah, if, if it, I do go with Tier and Beam, my question would be, what would I use for the the bottom of it? And can I use, or should I use thicker plywood than a half inch, like three quarters or something? Sure. Well, when you go with a concrete slab, obviously it's more of a permanent structure, um, easy to, to keep clean, and you don't have to worry about what you put in there. But for what you just described, you you easily could go with a pier and beam. You're going to want it a minimum of 18 inches off the ground uh, so that if it needs adjustments, it's easy to crawl underneath. Your third option, though, given the size that you're going to be building is actually to use uh, wooden skids, like 4 by 6s under it. Uh-huh. And that's the way a normal shed would be built, is up on those 4 by 6 skids. And that's very easy to control. You still want your floor joist, though, 18 inches up off the floor. Off the ground, yeah, rather. Yeah, yeah I'm okay. looking, because I know if I, uh, yeah, if I go with pier and beam, it's going to have to be hurricane strapped, and the, you know how yep. the HOAs are out here. So, exactly. Uh, okay. But if you go with yeah. a, a shed style, you can avoid some of that. Andy, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Got a question about water heaters. Uh, my water heater is 16 years old, and of course it's in the attic. And I just wanted to know the benefits of maybe switching over to a tankless. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I just did a video Wednesday changing out a tank to a tankless water heater. Uh, the big advantage is, one, it doesn't require as much space. Two, you have continuous, unlimited amount of hot water. Uh, you don't have to worry about running out. You're not using energy when you're not using hot water. And let's face it, most of the time, our houses aren't using hot water. At night, we're sleeping. During the day, most of the time, we're gone. So you use a little hot water in the morning. You use a little bit in the evening. So you really can save on your energy bills. Your water heater typically accounts for 20% of your energy usage. So that's a that's a, a big chunk of it to work on by changing from a tank to a tankless water heater. The downsides, are you gas or electric? Gas. Okay. Water he- gas water heaters are great. I would tell you, get one that it, uh, condensates so that the vent pipes don't have to be the double wall stainless steel. Uh, Navion makes a great system. The one I just installed Wednesday was a Renai. Uh, bo- uh, they both now have vents that can be PVC. Uh, you do have to still have a spot for the water to drain off, just like a pop-off would have. Um, the only thing you have to watch is to make sure you got large enough gas lines close enough to the uh, water heater. Um, you can only run, I think, I think it was only 20 feet of half-inch line to a tankless-type water heater. Then it needs to step up to a three-quarter at least. So, but as long as you can get that close with the gas. You got no problem. Uh, great little, they're great systems. So with the gas that's already running up there, do you think that it's probably sufficient enough? My house is 16 years old. 
More than likely, it is. Okay. And what, uh, I mean, it's just me and my wife, and we got a 2,100-square-foot house. Do you have an average price for those, what it should be installed? No, because it, the, the big thing is the access and, and what's got to be done to install it. Uh, so there's not really an average, and it's going to depend on how close the gas lines are you know, uh, to get up to that three-quarter inch line. The one we just installed, the, the three-quarter was right by the water heater, so it was no problem at all. Um, the installation can run you anywhere from 750 to $2,000, even more if you got to run a lot of gas line, and that's just the labor. You got the cost of the water heater and stuff as well, but honestly, the the big difference as far as the installation is the cost of the water heater itself. A tank does run less expensive to purchase than a tankless, but you typically get twice the life out of a tankless that you do a tank type water heater as well. Yeah, I, I guess being in the attic and being 16 years old, I feel like I've gotten my use out of this one. So it's, I just don't want an issue with the ceiling if that thing starts leaking. Yep, yeah. And, uh, you know, the nice thing on the tankless, you can put those uh, uh, safety switches where if a drop of water hits inside the uh, box that the tankless is in, it, it can have a cutoff valve that shuts the water flow off completely. So you know you got a drip, it can be handled, and, and you're good to go again. Where when you're running that tank, when the tank breaks, you got 40 or 50 gallons up there that's got to go somewhere. Charlie, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Jim, how can I get a watertight connection between my outside faucet and the hose. When I when I screw the hose onto it, um, I've got a couple of different faucets that they it's like half the water squirts out of the out of the connection between the the faucet and the hose. Uh is that when you first turn it on or is does it stay doing it the whole time? It, it stays doing it the whole time. I I tighten it up as much as I can. It's got a, a new washer in there but uh it's still, uh, do you have a a, a backflow preventer on that hose bib? That it's a it's a device that's screwed on before the hose is on. No, I don't. Okay. Um. Then it backflow preventer. The backflow preventer. What it does is it it keeps the water from being able to be siphoned back into the house system, and those mm-hmm. things are are notorious that. When you turn the water on, it'll start spraying water out, and then when it's working properly, it'll quit doing that in just a matter of a few seconds. But when they start messing up, it stays blowing water out, and it just means a new backflow preventer is is needed. Mm -hmm. But but if you're going straight on to the hose bib and that little preventer's not there, uh, it's the other thing that can leak is the. Uh, where the hose, you know, where the swivel connection is on the hose itself, yes, those are notorious for wallering out and leaking. And it looks like it's the the 
the connection between the hose and the hose bib when it's actually just the swivel that's wore out. No, the hose is, yeah, the hose is, is new. I suppose it could have been bad to start with, but uh, it yeah. seems to be coming out between the, the, the part that screws under the faucet and the, and the threads of the faucet. Yeah, and if that's the case, it just needs to be a little tighter. And, you know, sometimes you got to use a pair of channel locks to uh, tighten it up just a little bit. Of course, you got to have those channel locks to take it back off then as well. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Let's head to Copperfield. Hello, Lloyd. Hi, Jim. Um, I have uh, one toilet in the house. Every time I flush the water, it makes a really no- noisy water pressure in the wall. How do I uh, eliminate this? Uh, and, and is it just a quick noise, or is it making a lot of noise the whole time it's running? No, no, it's the whole time. The whole time when it's running. Uh, well, it typically that's... Uh, a long time. It's, it's been happening a long time, okay. Um, that is normally a result of the water going through something small or where there's a moving washer or O-ring or something. And so... It's really a matter of starting to eliminate things. So in order to eliminate a few things, the first thing I would do is shut the water off under the toilet, remove the line from the toilet tank, and then put that hose into a five-gallon bucket, turn the water on, and see if you're hearing the noise. That would tell me then that the valve probably has something that's loose in it, and just replace the valve and that should take care of it if it's not making the noise that tells me the insert in the toilet tank has a loose uh, washer or o-ring in it and I would replace the the flush valve inside the toilet tank to get rid of the noise yeah bulk of the the, of the other thing you mentioned have been replaced and the um, one of the, um, the plumbing company that tell me they could not fix it noise yep well that was going to be my next thing i was going to tell you as well because if it's not in one of those two items then it's in the piping itself and that's not going to go away unless you have it repiped you mean repipe how long the uh, the pipe going to be replaced to get rid of the noise you know uh not 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 without looking at it but you're, you're probably looking at uh having to run an new pipes in how old the house is it let me ask you that uh, 22 22 years old happens uh, since new and yeah so really quiet no problem only the one yeah yeah that that just tells me they got a line choked down somewhere and that's that's where it's uh making the noise and it's probably where it's changing from a three-quarter inch down to a half inch line drop to that toilet and so probably just replacing that drop with a three-quarter inch pipe would take care of it hello josh how are you today hey jim i'm doing well thanks for taking my call i've got two questions for you one is about windows and the other is about foundation watering for the windows um, i've looked at america's choice windows i've looked at some other uh, ktrh sponsors for other shows that i like to listen to to try and support local you know, what do I need to be evaluating for 
picking a window company you know how much of it is window quality versus installation and is there really that significant of a difference you know what do i need to know the energy efficiency of replacement windows is standardized almost uh the government stepped in i don't know about seven years ago now and set standards on how the you know what the efficiency of the glass would be which is the majority of the window to begin with so the glass is virtually identical on all of them the dead air space between the glass panes now there you can have a little bit of a difference it's not a great deal but there is a little difference the biggest difference comes in the framing uh, vinyl windows require a little bit more framing than say fiberglass or wood or some of the other windows do but the other the fiberglass the wood and all that stuff is substantially more expensive than going with vinyl um, the nice thing on the vinyl is the energy efficiency of it you know it doesn't transfer heat in well stuff like that avoid aluminum completely uh, it transfers heat extremely easily uh, with all that being said the installation like you mentioned is a huge factor um, because it's not just installing the new window it's taking the old one out as well mm -hmm. uh, and then you gotta install the new one caulk and seal everything uh, and really that's where the workmanship and the craftsmanship come in is doing the installation uh, mm -hmm. as far as my own home I went with vinyl windows cost efficiency uh, versus energy efficiency to me it was a, a no-brainer because I, w I didn't have to have that wood look uh, I don't mm -hmm. mind the vinyl look uh, and quite frankly it looks really good on my house it made it a, extremely energy efficient and didn't cost me a fortune to do got it is there any good way to evaluate you know installation quality when all you've got is a salesman in your house and some Google reviews you know no. or is everybody fairly reputable and uh, you know for major companies you know I, I guess I would say that the in the major companies um, the installation crews are probably all fairly good uh, okay. where you can where you need to check on the on the bigger company is who's going to stand behind their warranties and and things like that got it okay for the foundation watering I need to get some emitter tube put out and I've got some long stretches of linear feet where it's not a good place to put down uh, some emitter tubing so I've got a driveway you know that's probably you know I don't know 15 20 linear feet and then right. a back patio where I've got you know probably 20 or 30 linear feet is there anything I need to do for that or if I water the rest of the foundation sufficiently well will will that be okay around a patio you go around it as though it's part of the home's foundation uh, when you come to a driveway you know that's going up say into the garage you can mm -hmm. terminate on both sides of the driveway or run it down along the driveway because it'll help maintain the driveway as well but no you do not need to go under the concrete or try to go over it or anything okay even if that back patio isn't uh, the same concrete slab as the foundation I'll still get the benefits by running it along the outside 
Yeah, because the concrete will act as a, as a natural moisture barrier, and okay. it doesn't let the sun beat on the soil and dry it out and things like that. So through the capillary action of the water migrating through the soil, it'll get where it needs to be. Got it. Perfect. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 